Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana and Arliss. And we have an amazing guest here with us today. Nasheen is an international speaker, healer, and transformational coach, striving to help people across the globe unlearn who they are to become their authentic, true selves and cultivate unconditional self-love. She does this with personal coaching and teaching her art, meditation, and healing courses that help people transform their adversities into art. We are so excited to welcome Nafsheen. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and I'm in full gratitude. Yes, welcome Nafsheen. I'm so excited uh, to learn more about uh, about you and the ways that um, you your body positivity journey has affected and impacted the work that you do in the world. So my first question for you is, what part of your body has been the easiest to love? What part of the body has been the easiest to love for me has definitely been the eyes and the face because... Um, I got a lot of compliments for that growing up, but it was kind of a backhanded compliment, but I felt like this is the part that I got to love the most was, was the facial features. Well, and I can definitely see that Um, as soon as you joined this afternoon, I was completely drawn to your eyes and I, I think I gave you a compliment on your eyes and how beautifully your makeup, you know, really frames your eyes. And so I can see how that just is such a standout um, for people because they, it stands out even over Zoom, which is sometimes hard to do. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that beautiful compliment. I really appreciate that. You know, the, the eyes are the window to the soul, right? Yeah. And well, I want to I want to dig a little deeper into what you shared as well about sometimes it coming off as a backhanded compliment. Um, how can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to share more on that. And um, so as a backhanded compliment, it's, uh, you know, I grew up in a culture that is very reserved and uh, very superficial when it comes to the standards of beauty. So the, the Islamic Indian culture they only see beauty either with your skinny or light skin. And um, I didn't, I, w- I was light skinned, so I was, you know, lucky in that area, but I wasn't skinny. So I was, I was uh, made fun of and compared and body shamed most of my life. And I, they got to say, oh, you have such a pretty face. If only you lost the weight. So it was easy for me to love this because it was never criticized growing up. I can, I can definitely understand that. Um, I experienced that as well. Um, and you know, I have a follow-up question to that, which is, and you know, wherever you, whatever you answer is obviously fine, but now if that happens, you know, if, if you feel like that's happening, do you say something? And if you do say something, which would be incredibly brave, Um, I don't know if I could do that. Right. But if you do say something, what is it that you say? So I, there are incidences where I choose to say something and there are incidences where I choose not to, because what I choose to say depends on my knowledge and my level of understanding from where the other person is approaching me. 
So if it's somebody that I know that has grown and evolved in life and are going to be able and open to accept what I'm going to tell them when I'm standing in my power, then I will. But if it's an older person of the family who is a respected elder that comes from really old conditioning, then I'm just going to let it fall off of my shoulders because I know that's the knowledge that they have. So when I answer a person who says, well, your face is so pretty and you look so pretty. And, and if they say, if they, they'll, they'll not really say anymore that um, you've lost weight or are you losing weight or how is that going? Or, you know, make any comments about my body that are negative, but they'll say, uh, you, you look really good. Your face looks really good. Are you still working out? And I'll say, I'm doing what I feel is best for my body at this time. They normally ask me, like, how much weight have you lost? And I'm like, I don't weigh myself anymore because I'm not the number on the scale. But thank you so much for the beautiful compliment on my face. Wow. <laughs> Mic drop moment. So that's amazing. I love that. Diana and I are kind of back here freaking out and clapping and things. Um, that's amazing. That's totally amazing. I've actually, I don't think I've ever called somebody on it before. Um, and that is, is inspiring to me. That's absolutely inspiring to me. What about you, Diana? Yeah. You know, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. Um, cause I see this a lot as somebody who has like yo-yoed in weight in the past where it's like, people will compliment you when you lose weight and not, and kind of say nothing or ignore you, ignore it fully. If, um, if you gain weight kind of thing or make, or make a comment, um, that's negative. And it's like, why does your view of me as good looking or healthy or any of that have so much to do with my weight? What does that necessarily have to say about any of it? And why are, why are people um, kind of feeling inclined towards complimenting someone only when they've lost weight as if they have a greater value um, when they have that kind of experience? And I think that for me, there were ways that I would internalize that message where it was like, oh, I'm only, I'm only worthy if I'm a certain size, because otherwise they won't say anything that's nice about me kind of thing. Um, so my tendency with commenting on somebody, whether they've is like, is not really to say anything about whether they've lost or gained weight, but maybe to talk about their energy. It seems like they can do more, or it seems like, you know, they, they have more light in their eyes or that they seem like, um, like they're enjoying life more. And I think that those are more valid com compliments or comments when somebody is truly embodying health versus just to say like, oh yeah, like you look so great now that you've lost this weight because the, what, with losing the weight has nothing to do with my, or does not necessarily define my health and vitality. Correct, mm -hmm. yeah. And I, and I know that for, you know, fact and for my own self is because there's so many members of my family who cannot physically do what I do because I work out on a regular basis, but they're skinnier and, and technically they look healthier from the outside, but their internal is not. I, you know, I experienced that um, when I was in uh, the end of high school, in the beginning of college, I was severely anorexic and bulimic at the time. And so I was the smallest physically that I had ever been, um, which, you know, is about a hundred pounds less than I weigh now. And I was so sick. 
I was so sick. Um, I ended up having to have surgery that year for, you know, a, a significant health challenge. And um, I missed so many days of school that they almost didn't want to let me graduate um, in, in um, high school. And so even though I, you know, finally got to a place where I fit within like the BMI for the first time ever in my entire life, um, I was not the sickest I've ever been in my life, but very close. And now um, I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my life. And I weigh a hundred pounds more than that you know? Um, and so yeah, size and weight have nothing to do with parameters of health and it's, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing that. Nasheen. I think it's such an important message because, um, unfortunately Western medicine has really equated the two Mm -hmm. and they're not, you know, um, one equals the other at all. And for some reason, that number has so much to do with your self-worth, you know, mm-hmm. it really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. But I also loved that answer that you gave about when people ask you, like, how much weight have you lost? Where it's like, I don't I don't weigh myself because that number doesn't have anything to do to define me. Right. That's such a I don't I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure I messed up exactly what you said. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that, that you know, that I don't. But I don't feel like people need to know that information, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like um, it's not like you have or lose value one way or the other. Right. I think sometimes when we go through that journey of getting to a place that's healthier, it's a lot of shedding those beliefs or those those values that we internalized from the messages of others who said, right. you know, if only you lost weight, if only that, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Right. So now we're going to get to a little bit of a harder question. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you know, I love how authentic and open you are. So I know that this question will be a breeze for you, um, Napsheen, but what is an area or part of your body that has been really difficult to love? This is a difficult question, but you know, I want to show up on my, in my full authenticity for, for myself and for all the women out there. And, um, I'll share just a tiny bit of a backstory. Um, I grew up with, many years of a history of many years of molestation as a child. So from age four to age 12. And and it was in, in, in that process of when I was going through that, through that abuse, I started to gain weight early because my body was trying to protect itself. That's what women's bodies do. Or you have other diseases or things growing up. And as that protection increased, I grew up in a place where I didn't have access to other drugs that would make me feel good. So then food became my drug and I ate to numb out. So my body, the areas that it gained weight the most is my hips and thighs because it's trying to protect the reproductive organs that have been violated. And as I was growing up, I was chubby in those areas. So like my hips and thighs were always like grabbed by people like, hey, it's so cute and cuddly and chubby. But for me, I always felt violated when anybody came towards me with that. So these are that, that's the part, especially my legs have been a very challenging part for me to love because they gained a lot of weight to protect me. And um, as I've worked really hard on shedding weight and I've lost about 120 pounds from my highest weight, which was 350, um, it's still it's still hard to lose weight in the legs. So sometimes I feel myself judging myself in that area. 
but um, I'm also in acceptance at that, that the gift that this weight has provided me over the years and the protection that it gave me, that my body is so wise that it did what it knew best at that time. Yeah. Thank you for that, Nasheen. I think um, I really appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty about what you've been through and uh, the challenges that you can still face sometimes in in accepting and loving those parts of you that um, that have been violated and that uh, felt like that in some ways almost can feel sometimes like they're violating your wishes or, you know, that kind of thing. But really coming also f- to a place of understanding that what your body really is doing is protecting you like that is definitely an evolved um, awareness of of the body and of um, of healing. Because, you know, I think sometimes we we curse parts of our body uh, for gaining fat or gaining um, gaining weight and not really looking at it as something that can be protective and safe and something that um, helps us feel safe. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And and I'd like to dive a little bit deeper. Um, If one of our listeners is hearing this. And for the first time, this concept of protection, you know, our body having this protective response Um, and then and they're having that realization like, oh, this happened Mm -hmm. to me too, for whatever reason, maybe it was a similar circumstance to you or something different. Um, What would you say to them to like start that understanding process of the protection response of the body and like processing that? So um, for me, the biggest part of my healing has been to really, really go to the root, to really, really go to that little girl that was uh, lost, afraid, alone, and in captivity of these people that did what they did. So, you know, as I did my healing work, I, 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 for a majority of my life, I blamed my life conditions to what happened as a child. But as I healed, I learned that there was a greater purpose for what happened to me because my purpose in life would be to go and do the work that I'm doing. And this experience was just a tool to help me get to my purpose. So one, to be first, I would have them be in radical acceptance. So first, the first part of me doing that was like getting rid of the fact that the blame and come into radical acceptance of, okay, this is what happened to me. Now, am I going to continue my life with blame or am I going to change this around for myself? So once I made that shift in my mindset, then I went and really connected with my inner child and my body. And I started showing up for my inner child that was abandoned and alone from my adult self. I started taking care of myself and nurturing myself like I would like any four-year-old child that was scared and lost because we deserve that compassion more than anyone else. It's because after we've gained the weight and been criticized so much, we never get that from anywhere else. So we use that criticism towards ourselves. So I went and started nurturing myself like I would a lost four-year-old. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. Thank you so much for that. 
Wow. This podcast is, is so amazing already. I mean, just so many amazing golden nuggets of wisdom and expertise that we haven't really talked about yet in the podcast, um, at all, or even, um, not very much in our events other than the one that you presented at. So thank you so much. Uh, It gives a lot to think about. I'm curious, um, Navshin, because I know that part of what we wanted to talk about today was transforming adversity into art. Can you share a little bit as well about how art was a part of this journey for you? Yes, absolutely. So um, as a child, you know, the again, I told you that, you know, the the standards of beauty and and self-worth in our culture are very, very minimal. And so if your beauty is not a part of your self-worth, then your intelligence could save you. But I was a creative student. I only excelled in English and art. And those were the two things I was good at. And so I didn't meet the physical requirements that my my family wanted, nor the intellect requirements. So I I just, you know, was very, my creativity was part of me expressing myself, even as a young child. And I did that for me. I did that from all my friends, did all their hard homework. And as years went by, I came into a place where I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. And before that, I had been working in a corporate job my whole life. And that was the waking moment. Uh, where I realized that my soul is dying and I have to create. And so when I was very close to my surgery, um, I was in bed and, you know, in a space of complete defeat. And I heard this little voice say, you need to do something creatively when you're done with being healed because you're going to come out of this. Okay. Like I just heard the voice and I knew that I was going to be fine. And art has been very healing for me. So I use it to one, paint all my trauma and make it into a masterpiece of art. And I use it for my clients to take all their trauma and either make a masterful painting of themselves or teach them how to do it for themselves. Because it's a way of taking what's inside and physically expressing it on the canvas. You're like physically taking out what is inside of you. And um, it's a really, really beautiful process to witness, especially for people who have never painted before because they have no knowledge of painting. So they're not painting from here. They're painting directly from here. They're just expressing literally on the canvas. And I see the people like the things that they create are just so beautiful because pain is a beautiful thing if we see it that way and embrace it that way. I love that. Um, you know, it. I, as a chef, I do the same in expression, where I express through food, and I often say that um, I, I believe that some of life's most bitter ingredients actually add a level of depth and nuance when we can extract the, the flavor from it in a way when we can express it in its most pure and honest form we can actually take out good from things that look like they're rotting or right. look like they're um you know bitter right and, and food is art so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. now sheen i would love to know from you what is a self-love or self-care practice that you do in your daily life? Gosh, I have so many. <laughs> so um, I'll give you one that is, is a difficult one, but I show up for it every day. I stand in front of the mirror 
in a full-length mirror, completely naked for two minutes, every day observing myself. Some days I have judgment. Some days like I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And the days that I have judgment, I go back to the inner child and I'm like, what does she need? If she was looking at me right now through that mirror, would I be telling her these things about her body? And then I'm like, no, you wouldn't. If she felt these things about her body, what would you tell her to make her feel better? So this is, um, it it was very difficult when I first started doing it because I had so much self-hate. But over time, um, it's just a beautiful part of my day. I just wake up, get out of bed, be grateful, get rid of all my clothes, stand in front of the mirror and be very grateful for everything that my body does for me on a daily basis. Wow. (laughs) Nafsheen is a very brave and very courageous and strong woman. Wow. I, I, you know, I don't know of many people other than the, you know, a lot of our guests really on the podcast, but in my regular world that would be willing to do that even for 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. let alone two minutes. I think that that is incredible um, and inspiring. And I love how you go back and, and this topic has actually come up in our past conversations between Diana and I, you go back to your inner child and ask yourself if would you be saying this about her body? Right. Because, you know, and I, I know Diana has a, has a lot to say about this, but, um, you know, would we ever criticize or have judgment around a child's body the way that we have around our adult body? No, we don't. But the, the point is that the criticism started towards me when I was that age. Mm-hmm. So that's why I go back there to console her. So, which is, which is really powerful for me because even though I, I realized that my inner child needed healing as an adult and I did the healing work, I still always saw her separate from me. I'm like, okay, she went through the stuff I didn't until I united us together. So now she's like with me all the time. <laughs> I love that. I love, um, I love that understanding of the connectedness between uh, our present self and our inner child. Uh, Nafshin, I'm curious though, for people who are inspired to begin this practice, what tips would you give? Like, would you recommend that they start with a shorter time? Like, like in your journey of figuring this out to get to the place where now you can do it for two minutes, which like Arla said, is incredibly inspiring and so powerful. Um, how, how do you get there though? <laughs> Help us out. <laughs> so I would, I would actually not even start by being on the mirror. I would start by closing your eyes and visualizing yourself in front of the mirror and then take it a step further and maybe be alone and just just feel your body until you're able to like, because even feeling the body, we have judgment on like lumpy parts and saggy parts and wrinkly parts and all those things. So be okay with the feeling of the body and then have the courage to maybe, maybe start with five seconds and um and then increase the time and um you know what uh, the other thing that has also helped me is like affirmations to tell myself when i'm in front of the mirror that if the judgment thought comes that oh my god i hate this part of myself i will change that with like what does it do for me and how can i be grateful for this part so that's also helped and then after a while there's just no thoughts you just you just stand there appreciating yourself and it's just like a daily practice 
It looks beautiful on the other side, Nasheen. It is. You know, um, thank you so much for sharing that. That's definitely not something I've ever done. So I'm I'm looking forward to implementing that tip as well. Thank you. I'll check in on you. <laughs> thank you. Yes, please do. Um, yeah. Well, so when you do find yourself disconnected from your body, what is one of the things that you would recommend for other people to maybe try to reconnect with their body um, when those like those old negative patterns come back? Okay, so um, this, you know, the, the journey is never from here to here. It's like, like this, right? <laughs> Until we get higher. So of course, the, the thoughts of judgment and all those down days are going to come. What really helps me get out of myself is really embracing the the feminine inside me because um again and this comes from cultural conditioning the how you see beauty like a skinny body is feminine and beautiful and you know not considered if you're chubby you're not considered girly but i'm very girly so when i feel the moments that i am not connected to my femininity and i feel outside of myself i get up I put my makeup on, I put all my beautiful jewelry on and I dance for like two hours just for myself. So for everyone else who doesn't know how to dance or doesn't want to dance or is not connected to that part of themselves, um, I uh, one thing that has really, really helped me a lot is writing a letter to my body, writing a letter to myself. Um, and one is a letter of apology for all the things that I didn't do, all the ways in which I didn't show up and how I'm going to show up. But if this is a daily practice on something that regularly happens when we shift out of connection to our body and want to reconnect to our body, I think exercise is a really great way because movement really shifts the energy and it shifts your energy to really what your body can do for you and how it has shown up for you consistently over time. So for me, um, you know, these are, if I would leave like a few tips, one is if you feel feminine and want to get up and dance, put on your best clothes and dance just for yourself. And that's also part of the, where the movement comes in and it will shift your energy out of that space. Uh, write to yourself. Sometimes you can just put on a thing and record it and voice out. There's like an emotions release that I do that you just voice out what you're feeling and get it out of your body. So you've said it like, I hate my body. It's ugly, this, that, whatever. Just voice it out. Don't keep it in there because the energy stays stuck. And then you can say, all right, how do I change these thoughts about myself? So those are the practices that I use. But dancing is my my go-to one. I don't know about you, Diana, but we need to have like an online virtual body positivity dance party. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes, do it. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, Maybe, Nafsheen, we can bring you back um, at our next event to close out our day of body with a little bit of a dance party. That would be fun. Yeah, I I put on my belly dancing clothes, even though I don't know how to belly dance. I just think they're pretty, so I put them on. Oh, I can just imagine you all decked out with the makeup and the the outfit and like... um, yeah, like just all of the jewelry and everything that makes it so fun. And um, that's not, that sounds like a really great way um, <clears throat> to, to experience um, and reconnect with your body. Thank you for that. Of course. It, it's, it's an amazing process. You guys should try it. <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of body image expectations and societal norms out there, especially for women. Which one of 
of those you feel like you're conforming to or not conforming to, or what do you think of the body image expectations and societal norms? Wow. That's uh, so, so, so much to say about that question. Right. Um, I feel like for a majority of my life, I stayed unhappy because I was in a state of wanting to conform to what healthy looked like, what beautiful looked like, what active looked like, what artistic looked like, what elegant looked like, all these things, like what feminine looked like. Because growing up, it was skinny and light skinned. That's all that I was taught. And then as I started loving my body and getting into my body and started boxing and exercising and I was like healthy and working out. And then, you know, a lot of people in the gym sometimes who are like new people would be like, oh, it's really nice to meet you. You should come every day and don't give up. And I'm like, I've lost 120 pounds. I've been doing this for a year and a half, like five, five, six years, but they don't know my backstory. Right. So then the, the norm is like, you don't, if you don't look the part, that means you don't fit the part. So there, there are these ongoing things. And now lately I do motivational speaking and I'm going to be on stage. So I'm like, Oh my God. Like, um, I might, do I look the part to be on stage? Or should I be on stage like in this body or are they all these people? And I'm like, I'm not there for the people. I'm there to share my message. It's not about me. First of all, it's not about me. I'm here to give you extreme experience, strength and hope. And I, um, in 2020, I got a job as a flight attendant for Delta Airlines. And I was like, my friend told me you should apply. And she's like this skinny Japanese girl who's like a size two. And I'm like, really? You want me to apply as a flight attendant? I'm like a size 18. Okay. So I applied and I got the job, but that was my perception that I had to look a certain way to get this job. But so in some ways where I feel that I have broken the mold, people still put me in the mold. And in some ways where I put myself in the mold, I'm being broken, broken from that mold. So that's been my experience. But like now that I'm really like centered within myself and my sovereignty, um, the opinions don't really matter. Like the, the little thoughts will come in, you know, like that, that I'm going to be on stage and, oh my God, I hope I look right. But then I'm like, no, is that your sovereign self? Is that your, is that your true real self speaking to you? Or is that the little voice, the critical voice, the little ego that was damaged and hurt? So then it's just easy to shift back into my real self because of the awareness and the work that I've done. I oh go ahead, uh, Diana. Okay, I love how you showed it from both sides. Like you showed how you were shifting and how other people had helped you shift around these ideas. And isn't that true? Right. Yeah. Um, we have the opportunity to be open to shifting our own ideas around societal norms and um, body image expectations if we're open to it. Right. And you gave a great example of how you were open to that. Yeah. And most of the time I feel like people are going to judge us when we judge ourselves. And when we're not, they respond to, with us with that same energy. Yeah. I, I like to, um, I like to think about that all the time, like how, um, there are ways that we feel like we're not enough or our body is not enough yet to be based on like 
whatever form of expectation that we've internalized. And I love that you, like Arliss was saying, that you showed it to us from, sometimes these can be internal norms that we've internalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes they are external and there is a difference in that. And it's the opportunity for both us and for others in growing awareness. And I, I think that there is just a more positive outlook or um, dissemination of that that message about seeing your body in a different way that I think can really benefit the younger generations. But at the same time, um, you know, there can also be a, a whole lot of the toxicity that can also be disseminated more with ease. Right. So I, I love that. Um, I love that you're being honest about the ways that you're still growing in it and that um, that you see all of us growing in it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we we ever really get there. There's there's always layers to, you know, unfold and unveil. So. Yeah. Um, do you have any any thoughts that you'd like to like if you were to leave a closing thought for our listeners today? Um, what would what would you want to share? So, you know, if I could leave, if I can give you all my life's wisdom, I would. But um, the most important thing that I have really found for myself on a daily basis when I'm alone with myself is really that to find out what your self-worth is, which as a child of, you know, the divine being, God, universe, whatever you get, whatever we call it, we have that part in us. We are, we are born as this fearless divine sovereign being that asks for what it needs and wants when we are born and we cry and we get what we want. As an adult, we are, have the same ability to do that. So know that your self-worth is like this phenomenal divine being and act accordingly. So before you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning, just ask yourself, did you do everything to fulfill your own self-worth on a daily basis, which is showing up for yourself, for your mind, body, and soul, not letting anyone take advantage of you, um, loving yourself in, in every aspect that you can and not ex accepting anything that will ever keep you in a state of being small ever because there's no time for being small anymore. Wow, that is so powerful, so powerful. And I know that we asked about this a little bit before, but I, I want to give another opportunity um, for you to share more about what you do and how you serve your clients and how people can find you and get in touch with your offerings. Absolutely. So I am a speaker, healer, artist, and a coach. I um, do motivational speaking and transformational speaking on a lot of different subjects. And as a healer, I do energy healing and I do coaching, which is also healing. I teach an art meditation and healing class, which is an eight-week course, and they're all going to start in April. I teach them on four different subjects. One is personal and spiritual growth and development. Two is healing the inner child. And the third course is about healing women and body image. And the fourth one is about healing the trauma of molestation. And um, I transform adversity into art, which is I take people's trauma and we either create a painting out of it after a process of coaching and unfolding together, or I teach them how to create a piece of art for themselves and taking all their pain and making it into, into a beautiful masterpiece of art. 
I can be reached on uh, Facebook at Nafshin Luhar, on TikTok at Nafshin.Luhar. I just started my TikTok account and my most active is Instagram. So it's Nafshin.Luhar Instagram. And my website is Nafshin.com, which is under construction that is going to put all my offerings out there. I know how powerful your message is, Nafshin, and how needed it is that we we are sharing um, truly, fully, honestly, and authentically. And I think that you did such an amazing job of sharing in that way today. Um, really, your courage, your authenticity, your vulnerability are so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much for making me a part of this amazing, amazing, amazing community and podcast. And I just wanted to add a little bit for people who want to attend the event. This is what I'll be speaking about in case it speaks to you. So I talk mainly about how the painful experiences in our life are there to help us reach our purpose and to get rid of everything between us and our sovereignty. So if that message speaks to you, then definitely attend the event. Thank you so much. Nafsheen for being here, being an amazing guest um, and supporting the body positivity community in so many different ways. We're so grateful to have had you here. Um, Diana, what are your closing thoughts for today's podcast? That everybody's health journey looks different and that there's deep healing and transformation that's rooted and available to us when we can when we open up to it being more than just what happened to us in the past how about you arliss our body is always conspiring on our behalf Mm -hmm. um just like i believe the universe is always conspiring on our behalf and it's doing its best all the time. And it's this super healing wellness machine. And if there's something that is happening that doesn't feel like an expression of health, or maybe there's disproportion going on in the body or things like that, it's an indication to look a little deeper the way that Nafsheen talked about, you know, is our body protecting us from something that we haven't considered um, and be willing to look a little bit deeper. And so uh, instead of, I think it's really common in our society when things are not going how we think that they should in our health to make our body the enemy. And that is really a time where we can make our body um, our partner in trying to figure out what's going on. So thank you so much again, Nafsheen. Um, We look forward to getting to work with you soon again at our next event and um, have a fabulous week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you, Nafsheen.